Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. I'm your host, Addison Bevere, and currently we're in the middle of our Reset Church series. There are amazing things happening in the global church, but that's not necessarily the story being told. Hopefully, we can present a new narrative by introducing you to emerging leaders who are working to advance the gospel in compelling and creative ways. Today, I'm joined by my dear friends, lifelong friends, besties in Texas, Grant <laughs> and Carly. There, are great. Carly, what's hey. up? What's up? Hey, Addison. Man, it's so good to have y'all on the show today. Seriously, this is like a dream come true. We're here. Oh, I love it. We're doing it's an it. honor. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having us. And I get to see you in like two weeks from the, the recording day. I don't know when this is going to air, but I get to see you two weeks from the day we're recording this, which is amazing. Who knows? Maybe this will air while we're all together in Texas for Julie's 30th. We'll have a Love listening it. party. Let's we, can, do we can do it, man. We need to get that on the schedule. That'll be awesome. All right. So obviously <laughs> I know everything pretty much there is to know about you guys because I love you and I get to do life with you, but I would love for our listeners to get to hear a bit about who Carly and Grant Barron are. Yeah. I would love to. It's an honor to be with you, Ad. We love you. So Grant and I, um, we, we actually have a similar upbringing in that we neither of us were raised in the church. And so both of us uh, found Jesus in our early college years and moved to Colorado Springs. And that's where we met. We met at New Life Church in Colorado Springs at a leadership academy. And that's really where life in Jesus began. And we spent the next um, 14 years together in ministry. And, and I think what's unique is that we not being raised in the church, we didn't have some of the um, maybe more religious mindsets um, as to how you're supposed to do life, you know, what it looks like to follow Jesus that can become more religious. And so when we both gave our lives to Jesus and started following him, um, honestly, what the, the form of Christianity we were introduced to was so life-giving. And it was um, fun and um, it was meaningful and it was really life transforming for both of us. Um, Grant, what would you add to that? Yeah, you know, I think coming into the church uh, that we were introduced to, New Life Church, which at the time was led by Ted Haggard. And, you know, he was at the pinnacle of his ministry. Um, he had a larger than life charismatic personality and was very influential not only in the church, but outside of the church. And so, you know, coming in without um, any preconceived notions of how church or how Christianity looked, um, we did. We saw this, this uh, you know, I guess you would say a celebrity style of pastor that was leading us, which I didn't understand that at the time, but in the sense of the influence and how many people knew my local church pastor um, all of a sudden is, you know, he's on all these major networks. He's, uh, speaking with, uh, key leaders across the world. Um, but there was this sense of like, we celebrate life and we're gonna enjoy the journey and we're going to do it together and we're not going to do it in, in, in isolation. Um, but I also think that one of the things, um, that new life really, uh, gave to us in our spiritual development, um, there were core spiritual uh, principles that they taught and we experienced and we were able to build upon that 
were critical to uh, just our upbringing and also just the diversity of the church that we were able to see because of just pastors, leaders, uh, different works around the world coming through New Life Church that we had this exposure to. Yeah, we were part of a local church, but we also got to see the global church, um, you know, on, on a, any given Sunday. Yeah, that's well put, Grant. And so to recap, so y'all went to New Life Church, did this leadership academy, were exposed to something that was greater than a local expression of church, really was involved um, in, in the global expression of church. And then what did you guys do after that? Yeah, so uh, we were there for, well, I was there for four years. Um, uh, I did one year as a staff intern after I completed the college there. And then after that, I joined the messenger team and started traveling with John for about eight years, all in all. And, uh, you know, even through that experience, again, it only it only highlighted and, and reaffirmed the diversity that you find within the Christian household that you know, based off of geographical location, denomination, ethnicity, you got to see just the melting pot or the seasons that I like to say that are within the Christian framework. Yeah. Grant and I have worked in ministry together um, our whole marriage. So we're about to celebrate 14 years in July. And, you know, it really has given us a unique perspective um, specifically being under Ted Haggard's leadership and then moving um, to Messenger, where we actually both served. But I will mention that two to three months into being a part of the Messenger family um, was when the the news broke out about you know Ted's moral dilemma, moral failure as a lead pastor, and um, and I'll and I'll tell you, Addison, that really rocked us. You know, he was somebody who not only was he our pastor, but um, we knew him personally, and um, we loved him, and we served him, and we believed in him. Um, I had the the privilege of working for him directly for a year as an intern under the National Association of Evangelicals, which was a an influential political group, if you will, that really brought the Christian voice, gave the Christian voice a platform. And so, you know, Grant and I found ourselves now at Messenger, um, serving John and Lisa Bevere, traveling. Both of us traveled with them. Um, seeing seeing the body in different forms and expressions. And, and a few months in, this news broke out and it really rocked us. And I'll tell you that it was that falling, if you will, from, from his platform that gave Grant and I probably one of the, the greatest gifts um, that has shaped our marriage and has really shaped our ministry. And that is that we ask each other the hard questions. And as you know, as in friendship, we ask our friends the hard questions Especially you, especially you, Carly, you're really, you you and Julie, (laughs) you and Julie tend to be the ones who always want to ask the hard questions. Yes. There's so much life and there's so much depth to be explored in friendship and in one another. And so I do love that. And, um, you know, John 10, 10 really became a life verse for Grant and I, and that, um, you know, Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life abundant. So for us, anything that doesn't reflect life or abundance is on the table for, for um, conversation. We aren't people who sweep things under the rug. And what Ted went through was um, no doubt uh, so challenging, so um, difficult for him on a personal level for the church. Um, it hit hard. It reverberated throughout the body in multiple ways. Um, but I think, if anything, perhaps 
And my hope is to look at that from a life-giving perspective and say, let's be, um, let's be awake to the things that are hard. Let's be, let's have the hard conversations. Let's, let's dig in deep and be a safe space to say, Hey, I struggle with this. Hey, this shadow is haunting me. And in that, I think we equip each other to actually do life so much more, um, so much more healthy. Yeah, no, that's good, Carly. So y'all were at, y'all were at Messenger for several years. And as you shared, you, you garnered a lot of perspective. You got to see a lot of things up close that most people only see from afar. And then, and then God called you and Grant to do something that was incredibly radical. I remember as your friend being like, really? Okay. <laughs> so, so you guys left Messenger because you knew that God had called you to be a part of a church plant. And it was a church plant that was two hours away from Colorado Springs, your home. It was up in Fort Collins. And let's just be real. Like y'all knew the pastor, but you didn't know him that well. Right. Right. I mean, like you knew him, but it's not, it's not like you were super close friends with him. And yet God called you to do that. God, God called you to leave the comfort, the community, all the things that you had here in Colorado Springs, to be a part yeah. of a church plant. So why were you willing to do that? Why were you willing to take that step of faith? After seeing corruption, after after experiencing disappointment, after seeing yeah. church go so wrong, yeah, yeah, I think uh, to kind of preface that, what we saw happen at New Life when Ted fells, we kind of saw this. We saw the core leadership team, the staff at New Life, kind of uh, pull in the theologians, um, the more philosophical. Uh, leaders, whether they're past or current, um, into kind of what was their their spiritual, you know, diet. And all of a sudden, we just saw this 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 leaning towards uh, kind of the church historically, and some of the liturgical movements and some of the the creeds that have kind of gone through the test of time within the church. And so, um, and, and through that, um, when Aaron Stern made that decision to step out of new life and, and plan a church. Um, you know, we knew we were leaning into something that we didn't have a full understanding on. Um, but we felt that there was, there was something, there was a new wine skin. There was new wine that you could kind of feel specifically within our local church context, but you could kind of feel with the conversations that we were having with friends that something new was shifting spiritually within the conversations that were being had. And I just even remember, I think we had just had our, we had just had our second child. Um, and I just remember telling our parents like, Hey, we just really believe like the spirit is moving us to help this couple start a new church. And um, I just, I remember Carly's dad just like kind of looking at us with a blank stare and him just being like, you're telling me you're going to both of you who have, you know, a good paying job, all the, the benefits, all of the things in the natural that we say are safe and secure. And you're going to leave that and you're going to move to a city um, that you've never lived before. You don't know a lot of people and you're not going to have a salary. You're going to have to raise your support. You're going to have to lean on your community to help meet your daily needs in order to start a work that ultimately you don't even know if it's going to pan out. Um, 
And so I just, I categorize that whole season of stepping out in faith of honestly just following the spirit. It's, it's, it's jumping into that river with God and allowing him to ebb and flow regardless of where the current's going to take you. Um, and so it, it, in all honestly was an act of faith. It was, um, you know, we talk about the knowledge of faith all the time. Like we understand it, we know what it means, but to practically put your feet in motion or, or words or thoughts or beliefs into action, it's a whole nother ball game. And so both of us, uh, we stepped out and it was scary. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We, the securities that we're normally accustomed to were not afforded to us in that time period. Um, but it was a beautiful journey. Great, man. That's good. So, so here's the thing. So you left security, you left all these things. You went and you were a part of a church plant, um, not having a salary, not having any promises from the founding pastor, nothing like that. Right. And, and then you, you were a part of that, both you and Carly, you were a part of starting that work. And I, I know this, I, I've been in, I've been ministry for 15 years. Um, you encounter, you encounter things in ministry that are less than ideal. Mm-hmm. And when you've sacrificed that much for something, it's easy to become disillusioned when things don't go the way they should, when people disappoint you, when people don't follow through on commitments, all of those things. So how have you two, because y'all continue to do this. I mean, y'all are actually in the process right now. I hope I can share this, but in the process right now of of planting Hillsong Dallas. Yeah, we had our first Sunday last weekend. So we're off. Yeah. And. And so this is something that you two continue to do. It's something you continue to be a part of. How do you keep a pure heart? How do you keep from becoming disillusioned with the church? When you realize that every church is messy, when you realize that each church has its strengths and its weaknesses, and that really is a reflection of each of us as humans, it expands your heart. And I think we have the choice to look at the things that bother us within um, either a local expression or a denominational group. And we can choose to say, ah, that bothers me. That's off. Or we can say, you know what? They're doing the best they can with the tools they have and the worldview that they understand. And in that, I think our hearts actually expand. And, you know, it hasn't always been easy, of course. I mean, Grant and I have had ample opportunity to to offend people and to be offended. But but when we realize that that the call to life is is actually life in abundance and it's that we're able to look at those things, those gaps and say, I'm the same way. Um, And so I think it, it actually has empowered us to be compassionate, but also quite passionate Um, to say, you know what, if I see a gap, maybe I'm created to fill it, or maybe it just, it is what it is and that's okay. So I think, yeah, we, it's it's a journey. We haven't arrived. We're now part of a new expression, as you mentioned, um, helping to plant Hillsong Church, which is another very global church here in Dallas. And it's different. It's different than anything we've ever been a part of. But in that, we're just leaning in and believing that with each unique expression, with each different church, with each different ministry, there is something to be gained. There's something to lean into and and to receive and to sow into. Yeah, that's so that's so good, Carly. One of the things that stands out about you two is every time you two have transitioned, you go out with blessing. Every time. I mean, I know your relationship with Mill City, the church that you were part of planting in Fort Collins, is one where you bless them and they bless you. 
when when they hear the names Grant and Carly, they celebrate. When you talk about your time at Mill City, it's it's uh, you remember it with fondness. You remember it through the lens of what God did in that season and the way you're able to lay down your lives and serve and what you learned. And I think that's one of the themes that we've been talking about here with this whole idea of the Reset Church series is the idea that church is supposed to be family. And and family dynamics, and we can all attest to this, are not always perfect. But when we're committed to a family, we go through things with that family that make everyone involved better. And, and I think one of the challenges, and Carly, I know you're super passionate about this, both you and Grant are, but I'm going to throw this your way, is this idea of if it's not perfect, it's not okay. And this idea of polished Christianity. And, and we all know, we, we've seen the statistics of millennials and Gen Z not coming to church. And one of the reasons that they cite not wanting to be involved with church is a lack of authenticity. So how can we as a church do this better? How can we be authentic better? How can we create a safe family dynamic for people to grow, for people to be challenged, for people to love, for people to find a place? Yeah. I love that question. You know, I think millennials and and a large portion of the Gen Z community, they struggle with church because they're looking for something a bit more authentic. And I think previous generations have done a beautiful job at giving the body messages that empower messages that center around the victory that we have in Christ, you know, that it's it's a celebration of life. But perhaps what hasn't been revealed or as much championed is the unveiling of the harder parts of life, of, you know, the parts that aren't so polished. Um, and so I think you you see there's this resurgence, as Grant mentioned, of, of looking at liturgy, looking at understanding that lament and hardship is a part of life. And so I think the more and more that as millennials have a platform and have a voice, you see the church starting to um, to move and pay attention to their hard questions. Um, and I think that the more that we can really just kind of unveil the, the harder parts, even from the platform, that as pastors and as leaders that we can say, hey, I struggle with insecurity. And here's how, here's what it looks like in my life. And here's how um, I'm leaning into the spirit and how I'm so much more dependent on God because of this, you know, or I struggle with getting snappy or being angry as a mom, or um, I struggle in my marriage because, uh, you know, just different things. It doesn't mean that we have to be completely transparent from a platform in order to be authentic. But I do think that we need to continue to talk about the hard things so that the people who are receiving from leaders know that yeah. it's okay to struggle. Yeah, if I could add to that, um, I just recently heard a friend say it's the church has done a great job of turning certain switches off in humanity. And the problem with that is, is one, we, we look and we perform the way in which uh, the Christian life has been presented to us from the platform. But the problem is when we turn things off, we're actually losing parts of ourselves. And then all of a sudden we have gaps within our, with our being. And, and not that all of those necessarily mean sin or temptation, but um, the reality is, is in humanity, we, we're in this life, we do deal with difficulties, whether that's tragedy um, that was uh, unforeseen, um, whether that was 
a, a choice to, to walk and to pursue something sinful. And the reality is, is we haven't done a, we, we've done a great job of turning off those switches. So therefore we don't know how to bring our whole self within the church and within community to help have those conversations of how do we deal with the issues of life. We're really good at painting a picture of what, you know, a, a, the perfect, good-looking Christian man or woman should look like. But the reality is, is beneath the surface and within our church walls, there's people who are dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of difficulties. And because of what they see presented and what they, and then what they're dealing with personally, they don't know how to bring that conversation into the open. And so all of a sudden you have people who are essentially, they're part of our church, but they're not flourishing in life. They're not living life to the fullest. They're not living life abundantly because there's this part of them that even might be repulsive to themselves and they want to deal with it. They want to bring it out in the open, but what they see presented and displayed to them is not an environment where that is welcome to be brought into the light. So I, I think in a sense, we, we, do ourselves a disservice. And I think a lot of this has to do with our Western society. It, we, we all want to be successful. We all want to be efficient. We all want to learn. We all want to grow. We want to acquire knowledge and information. But acquiring that information without putting it into action is fruitless. Yeah, it's not just fruitless. It's confusing. Yeah. It, it dehumanizes us uh, because it creates a greater disconnect between what we know to be true and what we do and what we actually practice and what we believe. And I think as I'm hearing you guys talk, something that's hitting me is this idea that I don't think people really understand salvation. I think, I think we've, we've limited salvation to a single moment in time. We've limited salvation to that initial conversion experience. And because of that, we don't make space. We don't make room for people to go through what the Bible talks about as the, the process of our mind being renewed or the process of sanctification, which is that perfect work that is inside of us, that is, that is done, that is complete, that is whole. The moment we give our lives to Christ, it's a work of faith and grace. But then we get to spend the rest of our lives figuring out what that actually means for us personally, yeah. what that means for us individually. And that is, that's the journey that Paul describes in first Corinthians 15, when he's talking about this tension of resurrection life and the life that he knows now in the flesh. And he talks about this idea of dying daily, dying daily, dying to his understanding of limitations, dying to his pride, dying to his insecurity, all of these things that are scary and terrifying things we'd rather pretend like, oh no, all these things are fine because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But the reality is, yes, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, but there is still a, a flesh. There is still a shadow self that very much wants to run our lives. Yeah, And we have to help people navigate the tension between those two and not just be like, well, hey, if there's something wrong, if, if you see a pattern develop in your life, if you're sinning or whatever, then you're just not a child of God. Right. That, that isolates people. Absolutely. And it keeps them from coming into a place where they can find a safe environment to process and to grow and to learn what it means to be a child of God, to learn what it means to have this complete and whole and perfect gift of salvation. So how do you guys, how, how do you guys navigate that with people in your world? How do you, how do you make space 
for someone to go through process um, without, in a sense, like tolerating or accepting that sin or that false belief or whatever um, as the narrative for their life? Well, I think we have to start, you know, in the place of identity, that behavior doesn't define identity. Jesus defines our identity and, and as we're, we're loved. We're the beloved of God. And so when, when we preach a gospel that invites everyone to come as they are, and we empower them to know that um, they were made in the image and likeness of God, and that means that body, soul, and spirit, their emotions aren't wrong. Their minds aren't bad. Their souls are not dark. Um, that actually their truest self is made in the image and likeness of a good, amazing, loving God. Do we battle in those areas? Do we battle with our emotions? Do we battle in our minds? Do we battle in our soul? Sure. But when we understand that our truest self, our identity is, um, is made in the image of God and that we are the beloved of God, it sets us on a pilgrimage of transformation, of discovery. And so I think we have to preach a gospel that gives people permission to take a journey. That yes, we are um, we're the righteousness of God. Yes, we're you know we're saved. We're you know all of the promises of God are are true and are yes of our lives. But it is a journey. And so um, I think that's where you know when we reveal that it really is. It's a pilgrimage. It's it's a lifelong process of. Um, of renewal. It's a lifelong process of restoration. And I think we can't hold people to this place of um, perfect now, but it's the invitation of Absolutely. the spirit is perfecting you. And it's that humility. It's living in that humility that is like, I wasn't perfect before God found me. And it's only by his grace that I can journey toward what uh, like Paul and James, they use this word a ton. It's to, to Laos which is a wholeness that only comes through a process. That's a, that's a work of grace. It's, it's a work of God's spirit. It's incredibly nuanced. It's something that we cannot fully understand. And, and the way that I look at it, and this is what I'm hearing you describe, is like our spirit is made new, right? Like our spirit is reborn. And then we have our flesh. And then the soul is essentially caught in the tension between the two. Because our soul is affected by our biology, our physiology, all of those things. And then our spirit is a new creation in Christ. Like we, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's, that's new creation reality. However, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions is caught in that tension between the two. And, and that's, that's the journey of growth, is learning essentially to see ourselves the way God sees us. And that looks different for every single one of us. And what I love about love, if you look at the first attribute of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is what? Love is patient. Love is patient. And if we are going to help people journey into the fullness of that gift of salvation, which is honestly, it's like that is the role of the church. It's to introduce people to the saving work of the cross and then to journey with them yeah. into the fullness of what that means for their life. If we're going to do that, what are we going to have to have as the people of God? We're going to have to have patience. Yeah, We're going to have to have it. Like it just, this doesn't work without patience. Yeah, This I, doesn't work without understanding there's a process. Yeah. And I would say that, that I was thinking along the same terms of that flies in the face of everything that our society says in terms of we want efficiency. We want to maximize the time or we want to limit 
the time it takes to get from point A to point B. We want to get there as speedily as possible. And we don't allow ourselves or we don't give ourselves fully to whatever process that the spirit wants to whatever journey the spirit wants to take us down. And so we don't allow ourselves to like fully learn or fully go through different seasons. And we try to bypass or go around as opposed to like, no, the spirit wants to lead you through something, not around it, because there are, there's something that happens within our souls, within our framework that allows us to see people and the world around us differently. Because the reality is, is like, you know, people matter. People matter to God. And, and like Carly said earlier, like God created mankind and declared it good. So we have to change our framework to see people, regardless of race, religion, political divide, and say, man, they were fashioned by God. And within them, there is something that is yearning to reach out to the divine. And we got to understand that life is a gift, right? Like it is. It's fleeting. It's but a vapor. And so when we come across people, if we're just concerned about what we have going on in our day or, or the people we're just trying to connect with, because you know we all love to be identified by who we're surrounding ourselves with, if we don't realize that there is a gift, a person, a man or a woman right before us that God created and that God loves and that they're longing to awaken to that relationship that they were created for with their creator, um, we just don't have time to waste. And so I know for me, like you asked that question, like what does that practically look like? Um, For me, I've just slowed down uh, as I'm just going throughout the, the routine, the mundane of life to really see who's around me and to listen to the noises around me to see is God moving in? Because he is. God is always on the move. He's always being reflected in people and places. And so I now have that opportunity as an image bearer of Christ to then reflect God into people and to draw out you know, that thing that they're longing for, whether they're a Christian or not, but to treat them with the dignity that God has declared them good. And I, and I place that value on them as well. Mm. That's beautiful, Grant. Carly, do you have any any final thoughts before we wrap today? Um, you know, I think Jesus, you know, Jesus invites the weary, the needy, the heavy. And I think as as a church, there is a there is a a resurgence, if you will, of of reclaiming that invitation to say, Are you weary? Come. Are you heavy? Come. Are you needy? There's a place for you at the table. And I believe that, you know, the church uh, is beautiful. The church is, is alive. And, um, and I do believe there is an awakening happening within the church globally of that message to say, it's okay if you're not okay. And it really is a, a joy to be a part of and, yeah. and to be alive in this day. So would you say that that is essentially the key for the church to continue to thrive for future generations? Is that invitation? Absolutely. I think we have to be um, honest and yeah. um, and kind. Like God's kindness is what leads people to repentance, and so there has to be an atmosphere of kindness. And you know, kindness invites the weary. Con- kindness clothes the naked. Kindness gives love to the broken. Um, one of my favorite quotes 
is um, by St. Arrhenius, and he said he was an early church father in the early second century, and he says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And I think when we recognize that, that there are some places within us that aren't fully alive yet, and that is the process of sanctification, and that we get to speak to the potential and say, there is an amazing future for you, a bright life for you, and let me help you become more fully alive. And I think the church becomes all that more, not just relevant, but attractive and, um, and powerful. Yeah. And we see that in Jesus. No human being has ever been fully alive. Mm-hmm. He came and, and modeled, <laughs> modeled something for us that we had never seen as humanity. We had never seen anything like that. But a good example wasn't enough. And Grant, I think this goes back to the whole efficiency stuff. Like it's not just about teaching people the rules and setting them on their course. It's about learning the brilliance of relationship. Yeah. It's about learning the nuances of what it means to be the people of God. And that's why Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. And my spirit is going to be the one who's essentially going to teach you guys how to become my body, how to become the expression of me in the world, how to draw the world to my heart, how to reveal what it means to be a follower of Christ. And obviously we know it says in John 15 that the world knows that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And it's a radical love. The church is supposed to have a radical love. It's supposed to be a fiery love. It's a kind of love that brings people in regardless of where they are, regardless of their story, and then loves them patiently into the wholeness that God has for them. Because God's not content to leave us broken. But if we don't step into that brokenness with humility, recognizing that it's a work of his grace that brings us into the wilderness, that brings us into those seasons where things about ourselves are getting deconstructed. Um, if we don't give God that that work in our life, if we don't relinquish that to him, then we're not going to discover the wholeness that he has for us. And that's true for us individually. Yeah. And it's also true for us as a church corporately. And I really think for those listening today, I would challenge them to hear, hear what we've been talking about here, this idea of being like, yeah, you know what? My life might be good. Like this, you know, my spirituality, whatever, like, yeah, it feels good. But let's be honest. Like there are things in our lives that we refuse to give to God. What would happen if we, as the people of God, gave him everything? Said, said nothing, nothing is off limits. And that would include Grant, one of our greatest idols, busyness. Yeah. The busyness that keeps us from seeing the people around us, the busyness that keeps us from loving the world the way he desires us to love the world and to see the people that he died to save. Man, that's good. Well, I love y'all. Love you too, bud. I, can't, I, can't, I can't wait to so see good. you in two weeks. Everyone tuning in today, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't yes. already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of our Reset Church series. And if you loved this episode, share it with your friends because that's what friends do. Right, Grant and Carly? They share. <laughs> so share right. the love. Sharing Get it out care. there. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, as we close today, I always, I always want to leave you with this thought. Remember that you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. Your decisions, your beliefs, they matter. Not just It's not just about you. It's not just about your journey. It's about the people that God has called you to impact. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. 
You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.